0: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. How terrible is that? That's the second
1: time it's gone on. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those guys. That's.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really.
1: France are going to go the World Cup. Get over it.
2: This fellow, Ronaldo, is a cop. Boom, 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 foul. Boom, 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 yellow card.
1: Nah, it's actually a well, uh, i have to ask you to mind your language. And I suggest you shut up and show more football. Good lad. I don't draw teacups. It's not my style. I think I'd rather punches. What you doing down here, you Shawnee man?
3: Alright, the last time I needed to start one of these podcasts by saying something out loud just to confirm to myself that it had actually happened. was back in October when Shane Long smacked one past Manuel Neuer to beat Germany to reignite Ireland's entire Euro qualifying campaign. But I think the Republic of Ireland team were a long way short of odds of 5,000 to 1 to win the game that night. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times second captain's football podcast. Leicester City are Premier League champions. This, Ken it's closer to Ireland playing Germany every week for a whole season mm. and barely losing a game.
4: Yeah, it's it's a bit like Ireland, you know, winning two World Cups and the Euros in between. <laughs> in terms of uh, how how crazy it would be. In fact, you know, Ireland could do that. They wouldn't have to play thirty eight games. I suppose they'd have to qualify. If you add in qualifiers, yeah, then then you're getting up to thirty eight games. That's what makes it so crazy. You know, you can imagine a. Um, a team winning a short tournament, a knockout tournament, say Greece in two thousand and four uh, in in the Euros, you know, but they had to get out of a group and then win three matches, and they won the tournament, mm. um, which was eighty to one, I think at the time, um, and that was regarded as you know flabbergasting event. <laughs> um, but to do it over thirty eight games is just not something that anybody thought would be possible. No. It's just. It's impossible to explain.
3: Winning at Old Trafford was supposed to be, you know, it was all set up to win there and at this um, famous stadium where so many League titles had been decided and all that kind of stuff. I think it actually looked to me, Ken, to be a lot more fun doing it the way they did it. Getting a positive result at Old Trafford, then going to Jamie Vardy's house and having a whale of a time watching this first Chelsea game. It was <laughs> like a lot of fun. Just Unbelievable.
4: Um, of all, I don't know why Vardy's house in particular. like maybe Vardy has the biggest house. Maybe, maybe he's the richest player in the team. I'm not sure. Um,
3: hey, everybody, as the richest player in this team, I invite you all over to celebrate. It, 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 I
4: mean, it is. It is a sign of the way things have changed. I mean, I saw Peter Schmeichel had tweeted about uh, you know, second of May, 1993. I was 29. We didn't play, but we won the league because whoever it was Villa, I guess. Yeah. Didn't win. Second uh, of May, 2016. Casper is 29. He, he's, he doesn't play, but he wins the league because the other team doesn't play. The difference, though, is that we all got to see exactly what happened when Leicester won the league, uh, thanks to them all recording it and then posting it on their social media. There was
3: some footage from Steve Bruce's house shown, I'm almost certain, uh, of Bruce and a few others hemmed into this small little couch with a, a little Casper Schmeichel cans. in and around. Yeah, that did pop up at the this. weekend. Yeah. And
4: it looked a lot more sedate. <sighs> Ferguson was on the golf course, I think. Someone ran up to tell him that he'd won the league. Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Ranieri, I suppose, was getting off a plane. Mm-hmm. Well, although it was able to then ring Gus Hiddink straight away. Hiddink said you. that phone okay. call arrived
3: very soon after the final. Thank
4: you so much. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So, um, yeah, Chelsea did it for Claudio in the end. Oh, and Eden Hazard was as good as his word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? There's just the joy that they were taking that. Anyway, there's a lot to talk about. There is a
3: lot to talk about. <laughs> we're going to do it with Jonathan Wilson and Gabriel Mercati after. Your lesser city dominated report on sport.
4: Well, Owen, we can't say that we weren't warned about this. Warned us. William Shakespeare. Mr. William Shakespeare. Uh, it was foretold, Owen. Uh, it was all foretold in William Shakespeare's play, Richard III. Uh, you'll have heard a lot about that play and the central character, or at least the the uh, actual historical personage upon whom the central character in that play was based. Some suggest that maybe maybe Shakespeare jazzed him up a little bit. (laughs) Maybe he sexed up some of the aspects of Richard III's personality in order to create a more compelling stage spectacle. Uh, But what William Shakespeare did do is lay out in in pretty clear terms what was going to happen in the 2015-2016 Premier League season. Go on. The world has grown so bad that wrens make prey where eagles dare not perch. Since every jack became a gentleman, there's many a gentle person made a jack. Now, what is this? I want to reference to the fact that Leicester City sit proudly atop uh, the peak <laughs> of the Premier League while gentle people such as Manchester City, Manchester United and uh, Arsenal uh, flounder in disgrace uh, in, in their wake. Yeah. Um, they, they that stand high have many blasts to shake them. Queen Margaret reminded us, and if they fall, they dash themselves to pieces. Clearly, uh, Jose Mourinho. That's Chelsea there, exactly. Yeah. Uh, falling uh, from a, a great height, uh, getting sacked actually after losing to Leicester. Claudio Ranieri. Um, then there was. Uh, there's even comments on the Leicester City's style of play, <laughs> uh, the winning style of play, as one of the murderers uh, in Richard the Third, who I think is is murdering Clarence. Uh, says, 'Tis better, sir, to be brief than tedious. Uh, get it forward. No finding a bet in midfield. Uh, let's, uh, let's move the. Ball. I mean, the idea of the game is to get the ball into the goal. So when you get the ball, move it towards the goal
3: and try and get it in there. Or in the case of Christian Fuchs at the weekend, just keep booting it out of play. It doesn't matter. Get it away from our. I couldn't. Chris, oh sorry, I'm interrupting your flow here, can I? Apologize. No. I just couldn't get it over Christian Fuchs's approach to the game. It was incredible to to watch four, I think four balls booted out of play in the first half
4: well as Christian Fuchs said uh, to Sky Sports in post match interview I have learned that fearful commenting is leaden servitor to dull delay Delayed, delay leads impotent and snail paced beggary yeah. then fiery expedition be my wing
3: that's why I kept slamming it up the field
4: um, you know it's uh, it is uncanny isn't it when you when you see how clearly the it bard is uncanny,
5: yeah.
4: had foretold uh, the whole thing but even Owen even he had he had, uh, had foretold chelsea against spurs as well
3: How so i'm imagining there's some violence involved here
4: slave i have set my life upon a cast and i will stand the hazard of the die <laughs> hazard of the die come on tottenham's title hopes die thanks to <laughs> hazard uh, hazard's goal um but also uh, in i in what i find to be the most eerie of all uh, the predictions he literally wrote out nearly 500 years in advance Maurizio Pochettino's speech to his Tottenham players um, the speech to his Tottenham players uh, before, the, uh, before the game and, and indeed at half time conscience is but a word that cowards use devised at first to keep the strong in awe our strong arms be our conscience swords our law march on join bravely let us to pell-mell if not to heaven then hand in hand to hell <laughs> That's uh, Tottenham. That's what Tottenham
3: did last night. That's Owen. you. Lame- I'm looking at you, Lamella. I want you to stamp on a player's hand today. Um, Dembele, gouging an opponent's eyeball, please.
4: Nine bookings. Nine bookings for Tottenham, which is a historic first in the Premier League. Nine, uh, Rather, nine different players booked. that Nobody's managed to do that before, uh, but Tottenham have now managed to do that. Dembele gouges Diego Costa's eye. Dembele actually makes Diego Costa... Look like the good guy (laughs) in this. Uh, Lamella steps on Fabregas's arm Uh, and trying to make it look, you know, and thus I clothe my naked villainy with odd old ends stolen out of holy writ and seem a saint when most I play the devil. (laughs) Lamella, walking along casual as you like, plants his studs on the wrist of Fabregas, who, by the way, I don't know if he's ever experienced pain
3: on that scale (laughs) ever before. He certainly let the officials know about it. There's no doubt about that.
4: Unbelievable! Like you see, Fabregas running around, grabbing, the holding what you expect to be the shattered stump of his arm. I suppose he's just trying to draw attention, really. Uh, but you know what? Can you do? What else happened? Uh, Dyer, Dyer went around just committing appalling uh, assaults on Chelsea players. Uh, only got booked. Amazingly, um, you know he, he he's out for the next. He's going to be out for the next two games. as his tenth booking of the season. Uh, Kyle Walker appears to fling blood from his own nose on Diego Costa.
3: Oh, I missed that one.
4: Unbelievable. I mean, you know this where you, you, the player wipes his nose and, and you know, f- flings the oh. resulting... Now, we've, it's actually something that we've seen Diego Costa do. You can look on YouTube and watch Diego Costa doing it to Sergio Ramos in the let it go Madrid-Real Madrid game. Um, but he's taught a thing or two to the likes of Kyle Walker by the looks of it. Maybe it wasn't blood, but Kyle Walker's nose was bleeding at the time, so thanks to playing against Diego Costa. <laughs> uh, what else happened? Uh, ma- the manager, uh, Mauricio Pochettino, invaded the pitch to uh, break up was, a brawl. Yes, he
3: was keeping, the peace. Ken, keeping <laughs> he, the peace. He should have been sent off himself for that. He can't do that. What's he What's he doing? What's Pochettino doing on the pitch? And as everybody knows, when two people are getting involved in a physical altercation, what everyone needs is another person to come steaming in at full pace and manhandle the two of them. Because that uh, is definitely going to calm everything right down.
4: And they, and at the, right at the very end, after the match is over... They go and bundle Chelsea's sixty-nine-year-old manager,
3: Arsenal. Well, that was an inadvertent. I mean, he was just—I think—was it was a Danny Rose? Somebody was standing, happened to be standing beside him. I think got bundled themselves, and then so because went over. because Rose didn't do a,
4: a lamella on hitting because he lay there <laughs> on his back, struggling to get up in the dugout.
3: Uh, I mean, amazing. Just, to, just to hitting was fine with that. He said, "Listen, when you do judo as I did, uh, as I have done, you know how to fall." <laughs> That's what he that? said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how to fall. Yeah, you know how to fall when you've done judo. Um, well, I'm glad that he wasn't injured because
4: he's 69 years old. I mean, yeah. you, you fall over backwards you know, unexpectedly into a sort of a, a lower area. You know what I mean? He fell off a kind of a step. Um,
3: it was kind of hypnotic to watch all of the foul play back-to-back, match of the day put together, you know, just a fairly standard package of... Grievous foul after <laughs> grievous foul. Just, oh. The Lamea one was amazing. Oh, sorry, the eye gauge, by the way was the worst. <laughs> they're, talk, they're talking about a three game ban for that. I, surely that's got to be worth more than a standard violent foul when you get to Maybe pair. it will be. I mean, and but Lamela's one was amazing in its you could, because it happened so you could see the thought. Pro- okay, Dembele was just acting like a maniac and he had this crazed look in his face. I thought for the entire game, but Lamela was strolling along. Sees Fabregas, thinks to himself, right. If I take a proper stamp here, you know, if I lift my knee up really high and slam down, that's going to be pretty obvious. Yeah, it's going to be really painful, and I'll get sent off. So what I'll do is I'll just walk on. I won't even break my stride. I'll just walk on. I won't press down too hard, and nobody will will notice. Yeah. Now I guess nobody did. Well, Fabregas noticed the linesman who was standing a couple of yards away didn't seem to have a major issue. But it was just the, it's just the thought process there. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just walk on his hand. I'm not going to mm. stamp it down too hard. Yeah.
4: I think he was probably in two minds as to whether to do it. It's a bit like remember Roy Keane that it's the Porto goalkeeper Vitor Baia in the, mm. in the Champions League. Uh, I don't remember that actually. Yeah, Keane got sent off in that Champions League game between Man United and Porto. I think it was the one, oh, the away game in, in Portugal, uh, and Manchester United were losing maybe two one, and Keane ran through a ball the goalkeeper's running out to catch the ball you know to, to slide and dive and, and get the ball Keane's is running through onto it and then the goalkeeper gets there first so Keane kind of makes as though he's just jumping over the goalkeeper but actually steps on him but right. only quite lightly but unfortunately <laughs> obviously enough to be seen by the referee and promptly sent off but it was kinda like he's in two minds you know he wants to do it he knows he shouldn't do it he ends up half doing it Um. <laughs> But Lamella, come on. Lamella's going to be banned because Diego Costa was banned for doing the same thing to MRA.
3: Diego Costa, by the way, he is eye-gouged. Yeah. And doesn't seem to take great exception to it. He kind of does... Actually
4: he, grabbed the wrong eye. Yeah, he kind of... D- it's a he, reflex. It's a
3: reflex. But then he, he turns to the ref, or nobody in particular, and... Just, Makes, it, makes a bit of a, a tiny bit of a show out of look I mean this is this is not on on this pitch but very calm altogether previously he'd been he'd had his jersey tugged by one of the Spurs players and acted as though he'd been eye gouged yeah it, completely it was for,
4: to, for Tongan wasn't it and he, uh, and he, and he, and he got himself booked
3: I'm going to say Ken, I've never fully worked out Diego Costa <laughs> and what goes on in his head
4: <laughs> no um, no but I mean what goes on these Tottenham players says, I mean I loved the game so much it was such a brilliant game to watch it was amazing. And, you know, Chelsea just full of this spiteful, like, you know, trying to sabotage. Like, they, that was this is the most motivated they've been all season. Just out of pure spite and malice. <laughs> and to come back the way they did was amazing. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't think that was going to be the case. I mean, Tottenham had played so well. The goal by Harry Kane was so good. You know, it was just so quick and precise. And,. Uh then they scored another one. Son, by the way, the most relieved man I've ever seen to score because he had missed a chance a little earlier. He had kind of two half chances, both of which he didn't and you could see you know, his reaction was just do not come back into this dressing room. You're a disgrace. You know, after after so he scored just before half time and was so relieved he's like, Oh, I can go back in there now. Um but you know it's uh <laughs> To see, to see the, the way it all just went wrong for Tottenham, and this is, a, this is the second match in a row that they've thrown it away. You know, if they just had held on to the lead in these two matches, they would.
3: You know, oh, you'd be three
4: points under pressure on Leicester. Oh, they'd
3: be three points, only three points down with two games to go. But and, the, and superior goal difference, yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be a serious humdinger of the last couple of games.
4: But they're the ones who have melted down under the pressure, mm. and Leicester were the ones who just never looked troubled.
3: They never looked bothered. Even the result at the weekend was a really good result. It was all set up for them to win, and that was going to be the big storyline. But a draw away at Old Trafford against a Man United team who started really
4: well—a
3: mm. a draw that was going to put serious pressure on Spurs was actually a great result on reflection.
4: Yeah. Oh, it was yeah, it was, it was fine. I mean, it, each each one of these results are getting them closer. As long as they didn't lose, they're getting closer to to winning it. And yeah, I mean they. Uh, I mean the draw meant that they. Didn't actually have to win either of their last two matches. This is all based on Spurs, you know, winning, but like obviously Spurs couldn't do that. Um, But yeah, amazing. I mean, um, it's just and to see and see Hazard, and and now this bizarre prospect arises that Arsenal could easily finish second (laughs) after everything that's happened. Arsene Wenger could be the first loser to Claudio Ranieri. He could be he could be ahead of Tottenham after all this because Tottenham are going to have uh quite a few suspensions <laughs> yeah. as it turns out they they may even I mean a lot of people have been making the point hang on a second Arsenal and Man United both got points deducted in 1990 19, uh, 1991 for a much less you know serious uh brawl between their players I mean there were several kind of
3: mass kind of brawls well, I don't know night. Dennis everyone was getting stuck in that taken yeah. Well, I mean, did, did he gouge someone? He definitely didn't. No, I wouldn't say <laughs> but he did. it was certainly the only time I ever saw Dennis Irwin angry in his career.
4: So I mean, they—you know—what if they get deleted? Uh, not deleted, uh, deducted a uh, point. It could it could feasibly happen. You know, they are three points ahead of Arsenal, um, but they've just suffered this gut wrenching—not um, defeat, but effectively defeat—by uh, Chelsea. They're going to be without Della Ali, who is already suspended. Then Bella is going to get banned. Uh, Dyer will be suspended and Lamella will be suspended. And that's.
3: Does it really matter if they come second or third at this stage?
4: Yes, it does, Owen. It because really it's matters. Yes. Yes. It really matters. If they finished behind Arsenal this season, that would be humiliating. That would really be humiliating for Tottenham. But, you know, they've got to play Southampton at home, and Southampton are, are playing well at the moment. Newcastle away. Newcastle fighting for their lives. Uh, at St James's Park, that's the last game they have to play. Sam Allardyce would have been particularly annoyed with last night's result, I imagine, mm-hmm. because uh, he really would have wanted Tottenham fighting for the title in that last game. Um, Arsenal, meanwhile, are away to Manchester City, which is maybe not that. Uh, it depends, you know. City are involved in the this game against Real Madrid t- tomorrow. How that goes, maybe is going to have a bearing on how they feel going into the Arsenal game. I could easily see Arsenal winning that, and the last game is against Villa, which you would imagine is probably three points. Um so that uh so that's the situation they're in.
3: That's the situation they're in, Ken. Claire Erneri is in a situation that he's never been in before.
4: Well Claire Erni Champion. I mean and the Bard own. <laughs> uh, what's the most famous line from Richard the Third? Well, it's either the first or second most famous line because the other one the other contender on might be Now nah, is the winter of our discontent, my oh. glorious summer by the son of York. Which I've tried but failed to apply to the Leicester city. Well, that was story. the one I was
3: going to go for. So, what, what what is your?
4: A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse! Shouted the um, horseless king shortly before he uh, shortly before he was uh, massacred by his enemies. Mm. Claire Renier, of course, described Jamie Vardy as none other than <laughs> a fantastic horse in that revelatory piece uh, that he did with the Players Tribune, in which he explained that. The secret of Leicester's success was simply eating pizza together uh, like men. You know, I mean, you get, you get, you get these joyless uh, weirdos like Thomas Tuchel, for instance. This, this guy, Bruce Dorman, okay, sure, they've broken all kinds of records for the team that doesn't actually win the league in Germany. You know, like they're the best second place team ever. They'd have, they'd have been winning the Bundesliga in like 95% of previous seasons. And their football has been a joy to watch. You know, and people are coming from all over the world to study at this, you know, temple of science that, that he has created. And he specifically banned pizza, Owen, because it's a terrible food for an athlete to eat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's really bad. Even It's with full th- of th- all the worst things you can eat. Even with a thin base? Uh, just, he's banned it all together. Right. Let's not go there. Our fitness is more important. Are we all agreed? Go easy on the cheese. Even. We probably all like pizza. pizza, yes. But don't we also like being the fittest, the best athletes we can be? Yes, well, in that case, team, let's forget about eating pizza this season. Ranieri, complete opposite. Eat as much pizza as you like. You know, as long as you make it together for each other and share it. You know, then. So he's kind of just thrown out all the. He's ripped up the rule book. You know what I mean? All the stuff that people thought they had to do is just forget about all that. It's just all about
3: passion, pizza, two centre halves who can head the ball away. Most of the ways in which Ranieri has been described this season, that to think about it, is centered on what he hasn't done. Yeah, he hasn't put, it, put, put in a strict embargo on, uh, on on what they actually eat. He hasn't gives them holidays all the time. He lets <laughs> them go on holidays. It doesn't make them stay around. He doesn't uh, <laughs> it doesn't burden them with too much in the way of tactics. He spent the first week apparently not saying anything to them, just watching according mm. to Casper Schmeichel. He did a good interview on Sky Sports. Before the before the game, well, they do in
4: fairness have a very uh, have a very uh, clear tactical plan. Yep. You know, uh, which is defend deep. Our two central defenders are big, strong guys who will head the ball away and are good in those. You know, as long as the the game is sort of in front of them, you don't want to have these guys caught out of position and turned. That's a disaster. So that's never going to happen. And you're also going to have your fullbacks not really running forward that much. You know, not until they know that they can make a uh not not until they know they can make a decisive contribution. You know, they'll hang back a little bit. It's not like uh the Alberto Moreno interpretation of fullback play. Alberto Moreno would not have been a valuable player in this Leicester <laughs> City squad. You know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say. Roberto
3: Carlos is of this world.
4: You know, you've got a a, a guy who uh, who runs and tackles all day. Drinkwater has been their kind of uh passer or midfield general. Vardy is obviously Lightning quick, and they try and hit him as quickly as possible. And Maris is a guy who is unpredictable, who does things that nobody really expects. So, uh, you know, and they make the when when the other team has the ball, which they do a lot because Leicester don't bother, they don't bother passing the ball much. They're like, okay, if we we'll try pass it forward, and if the other team gets the ball, no problem. We don't care. If we lose the ball, we, we don't care. We'll just get back into position. And when the other team come, we're going to make them go down the side because then all you can do is cross it. And that's what Robert Hoot and Wes Morgan want. Nobody's going to pass the ball through us. I mean, I remember the when they conceded who was which was the game that Kante missed? Was it West Brom? There was a game. Kante missed the game because he was injured. The only time that happened. And they, they conceded a goal, which was exactly the type of goal they didn't they, they weren't letting in all season. Where a guy won the ball in midfield, under no pressure, was able to pick a pass straight through the defence to a guy who was running through, was able to score easily. And that just did not happen when Kante was there, denying people the space to make those passes. They did have a really clear tactical plan. They used the same one and pretty much, you know, they, they just used it all throughout the season. And no one was able to stop it. You know, you saw it throughout the the, the the title running, which is, I think, the most impressive part of their season. Because that was when everyone was saying, okay, well, can you now do it under pressure? And they just kept winning and keeping a clean sheet. But you saw the kinds of goals they scored. Vardy's goal, was it against Sunderland? Drink water, chip, over the top in the space, Fardy running through scores. How can you concede that goal at this stage of the season? You've seen them doing that all season. It's the one thing you know they're going to try to do. And you can't,
3: you can't Yeah, even it. watching all the clips last night of key moments during the season, Fardy was scoring those goals so early on. Ah. And it's, it's easy to forget about it now, but it, that was happening. And Mara, well, maybe Mahrez is a little bit less predictable, you know, in, in terms of how he actually wrong foot's defenders because he did score a lot of those goals where he curled them in oh, yeah. on his left foot but then equally he's pretty dangerous when he goes around the outside from the right-hand side and onto his right and cuts in some maybe said, but yeah the, the, Marina even said that remember after that game he was he said I told him yeah. what was going to happen here I told him what Vardy was going to do and they let him do it. Yeah, and that was in what November? It was and several, yeah. Lots of other teams. Uh, Van Hal.
4: Van Hal had a similar kind of thing. We, you know, we worked on this. We knew what they were going to do. I mean,
3: Van Hal must be so frustrating for managers at that elite level to be beaten by teams like Leicester yeah. to the title when what they can see that they're doing is just so basic, but yet so successful.
4: Yeah. Well, you mentioned Mourinho. Mourinho uh, as a uh, statement. uh I want to congratulate everyone connected to Leicester, players, staff, owners and fans. I lost my title to Claudio Ranieri. My title, he's still calling it. (laughs) The Premier League title that is. And it is with incredible emotion that I live this magic moment in his career. (laughs) That's that's Claudio Ranieri, who previously uh, said of Claudio Ranieri, then the Juventus manager. Uh, He's right. uh, He's right. uh, When he said, I'm very demanding myself and I have to win to be sure of things. This is because... Ranieri had said, I'm not like Mourinho. I don't have to win things to be sure of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mourinho says, Yes, I am very demanding myself. I have to win to be sure of things. This is why I've won so many trophies in my career. Ranieri, on the other hand, has the mentality of someone who doesn't need to win. He is almost 70 years old. He has won a Super Cup and another small trophy, and he's too old to change his mentality. He's old and he hasn't won anything. I studied Italian five hours a day for many months to ensure I could communicate with the players, media and fans. Ranieri had been in England for five years and still struggled to say good morning and good afternoon. Oh. That's Jose Mourinho when he was the manager of Inter talking about the Danube manager Ranieri. Almost 70 years old, as he said. Actually, 56 at the time. Yeah,
3: he's only 64 now. <laughs> um, there was the quote. We, we, <laughs> almost
4: 70 years <laughs> old. He's such a...
5: <laughs> you know you, you know what you know he's just saying I know
4: Eugene Tannenbaum you know screw you Eugene the Chelsea director who said that uh, Ranieri just couldn't do it we had to replace him you know when Chelsea sacked him and brought him Reno. we had to do it Roman it wasn't it was nothing personal Roman just thought he couldn't do it we had to change you know would Ranieri have won the title with Chelsea if they'd let him you know spend all the money to into 2004 or 5 yeah I think he probably would. I think he probably would. But he's won it now, and it's i mean—it's amazing. For someone who'd finished second so many times, who'd been in so many different, who worked in so many different countries, almost got their second, you know, with, with Monaco, Chelsea, uh, Roma,
3: Juventus. I think second with all those clubs to finally win. It's his personality as well, though. A lot of people come second and win, and nobody would necessarily bat an eyelid but there's a warmth to him. I don't know if you agree with that or maybe you think it's overplayed. I don't I know. I do. Yeah. Owen, when we, when we used to... Do you remember? We've, talk, we've talked to Claudio and Jerry before. We used to ring him up
4: from the radio show that we used to do and he would preview Champions League matches for us. Not too many managers. <laughs> I, I can't believe you can't what, remember this. When he was Chelsea manager? No, it was like 2007, 2008. Oh. Okay. I don't even know who he was managing at that time. And we called him a couple of times. But the reason that we stopped calling him wasn't because he, he wouldn't take our calls. It was because he couldn't really speak English well enough. It was kind of like, oh, it's great, we got Claire Ronieri on the line. And then he's like, ah, oh, <laughs> you know, hello. And we're <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any yeah, of this. I can't believe you don't remember that. Are no. you serious? Yeah. That's the, that's the truth, Simon. You remember it. How yeah. often was this? Maybe I was away. Like two times, and it's a case it of could've, could've then it's away. a case of oh, you know, we can't. There's no point in getting Ranieri. Ranieri will answer our call. Like there aren't many managers who will do no, that. No, what I want. I mean, I, Harry Redknapp did a couple of times. You know, oh, well, he's yeah. driving along in his car, obviously bored, <laughs> and he'll talk. But mostly, you know, high-profile managers, you don't have their number. You certainly won't get them to come on to talk about a Champions League game that's <laughs> yeah. going to happen. Hey, Claudio, Chelsea are playing Valencia. Fancy, you know. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and then he comes on and he, and he doesn't say much. Well, now I like
3: him even more again,
4: yeah. Yeah, he's a, a lovely man. A lovely man. Um, you saw how nice he was to leave on Hal.
3: Oh, yeah, Thursday. he told him he's doing a bang-up job. You're doing a great job, Louis. You're doing a fantastic job. Don't let these bastards get you down,
4: Louis. <laughs> well... I mean, you're not doing a fantastic job, Van Hal. You're not, you, you know, if you're 17 points behind Leicester, it could have been better. I'm <laughs> going to say, I'm going to say the job you've done could have been better. Van Hal, however, was uh, last night it was Manchester United's uh, end of season dinner. Uh, Davante Heada, uh, for the third time in a row, was named Player of the Year. First, ma- first man ever to do that at Manchester United, which kind of shows what kind of three seasons it's been.
3: No footage of Van Hal. Smacking gigs around at all at this time? I'm sure there's. I'm sure there is. Or doing a one man sort of hilarious one man. Well, show he was. He was
4: given the. I, I was. Uh, s- s- someone sent me a text saying, Louis Van Gaal has just been handed the mic at, Man United's end of season awards. It's just after eleven o'clock. <laughs> 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 is this a? Is this a wise move? I mean, you remember what happened last season, but you know, it, you see, I haven't seen any footage yet, of Van Gaal. But just some quotes. Uh, expectations are too high. We're in a period of transition. It's not so easy. You know, all this kind of stuff on the day that Leicester are, are winning the title I don't think is going, going to go down well.
3: No, particularly when the sporting intelligence tweet has been used quite a lot in the last 24 hours that Leicester, that Manchester United have spent more under Louis van Gaal than Leicester have in their entire history.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, another friend of mine, I said that to him and he said, oh, the first casualty of this has been statistics. Yeah, this is, you know, what a totally meaningless statistic that is. You know, "Ah, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that there's been a lot of money around in football these last couple of years. That's all it means.
3: (laughs) A lot of it being spent by Manchester United. (laughs) A
4: lot of of it, but not very well. Uh, We're nearly... Oh, yeah. The other thing we've got to talk about, and this is the match that's on tonight, is Atletico against Bayern. The match last week was really good. And I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see what happens in this one. I mean, on the one hand, you've got Atletico, who, let's face it, Owen, our team... That throws a ball onto the pitch in order to stop a counter attack mm-hmm. in a game with, in a stadium with you know tens of thousands of people there watching, all able to see and cameras recording what they're doing. They're prepared to do that. What are they prepared to do? <laughs> what are they prepared to do? Anything. This is a team that is prepared to do anything to win. On the other hand, they're up against Bayern, who you know uh, what I'm saying is that you might. You might be kind of like, I'd let it go. I, I think they're actually just a little bit too unscrupulous. They're like mad dogs. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if I can trust this team. I don't know if I can trust them to, to behave or to, to pursue the, you know their objectives in a, in a sporting way. I clearly can't. I've seen them do it in an unsporting way in the most public possible environment. You know, if the true test of character is what you'll do when no one's watching... I shudder <laughs> to th- think what, what that is in Atletico Madrid's case. But here they are up against Bayern Munich. And there's just something about Bayern that makes you want Atletico to win this game, despite the fact that they have no respect for the game. You know, <laughs> despite the fact that they are, they're like... Oh yeah, there's, there, that's maybe
3: a large part of their appeal again.
4: I mean, Bayern already... Just all last week, was, it, was, uh, it turns out that Mats Hummels is going to join them now. You know, Hummels, who was the kind of uh, heartbeat of the Dortmund team. That has been the uh, almost the, the kind of public face of the of the team. Uh, that that has been providing the only competition. them. I mean, now he wants to join Bayern. Yeah. In fairness, he's from he's from there. He 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 was there originally. He only joined Dortmund because Bayern weren't giving him uh, enough or, or any time in the first team. So he's kind of going back to his roots. But there's just something about that. Uh, I mean, Dortmund are linked now with Usman uh this very promising young player. This is supposedly going to be the next guy they bring in. Byron obviously want him now. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, I see. Which I see. There's something about this that makes you makes you sympathetic to Atletico's cause. This is a team that has lost Courtois, uh, Costa, Arda Turan now Barcelona. These were like three of their main players when they got to the Champions League final two seasons ago, and are back in a way which I couldn't. I would never have predicted. I assume that. Well, that's them. That they've shot their bolt in, in a way maybe similar to what happened to Jurgen Klopp, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, but they're back there's, there's something that you have to admire about this team I can't wait to
3: see what happens tonight yeah we've got a lot of Leicester to talk so let's wrap up the report on sport
2: waving a scarf on your BBC radio Leicester say what's your name oh it's Ibrahim hugger hugger Ibrahim where are you from Ibrahim yeah bro I'm from Kurdistan you know I and what? you're waving a Leicester city yeah, of course bro of course man bro Leicester's in our blood I grew up here you get me everything bro Leicester is a beautiful city what does this the mean what does this mean bro this bro the whole world knows Leicester now innit? it the whole world knows Leicester we're the champions and we're coming for Barca we're coming for Madrid we're coming for me and it come on man football is love and love is passion you get me football is in us bro Have a good night man
3: such an incredible day in Premier League history we've got two of our best men ready to go on this Gabriele Marcotti and Jonathan Wilson uh, an achievement, uh, well beyond comprehension, I guess, guys. Leicester winning this league is literally impossible to explain. So, Gabriele Marcotti, please tell us exactly how Leicester did it.
5: Well, yeah, down to a T. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I, it's interesting. My, uh, my, my, one of my uh, colleagues at the time, Daniel Finkelstein, made the point that you know, with extraordinary, unlikely events, you know, we see this as a five thousand to one probability, and in fact. Unlikely events aren't quite as unlikely as we imagine because it's you know it's five thousand to one for Leicester. It would probably be equally remarkable if it's Bournemouth or say Sunderland or Norwich had won it. So you know that's the first thing to remember. It's it's not like once in five thousand goes. It's probably considerably less than that. Mm, yeah. But I think this season the the remarkable thing about it was you know they took over a team that that really they were already on the rise. And Ranieri himself said that in preseason, you know, his plan was to pretty much keep things as they had been, integrate Conte, get, get Mars more, more minutes. But then he says, I realized that we could go vertically, you know, north-south, really, really, really fast. And, and I said, all right, well, how can I, how can I make that sort of, you know, part of the way that we play? And, and then sort of that, you know, drink water Conte, you know, straight line to Vardy was born. And, and he really quite soon built a team around that. And I think that was a big part of it. Now, the other factors, of course, they avoided injuries. The big teams all all underachieved. You know, all of that other stuff came together.
3: Jonathan, it seems to take a long time for all of us to understand that Leicester were the team who were keeping their composure in the title run-in, while Spurs were putting together the odd, ridiculously impressive, you know, they, they, they would win a couple of games in grand style, but Leicester kept plugging away, and the bit where they totally uh, lost a run of themselves and let emotion get the better of them just never materialised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think possibly we, we all got suckered into the, uh, the, the feeling that this would follow a narrative we'd seen before, and of course, you know, life doesn't necessarily do that. I mean, we, we've seen teams, or we've seen Leicester themselves, been near the top at sort of Christmas, January time back in, what, 2000 was it? Um, Sunderland were, could have gone top of it, held on to the 7th at West Ham at the end of November in 2000, and 2000 2001. Yeah, we've seen Wigan have good, a good start, Southampton have a good start, but the teams always fall away. And it became apparent in January February that wasn't going to happen. And so we then started looking to early narratives. And you look at, say, Ipswich in 1980 to 81, when they completely collapsed in the run-in. And you sort of think teams who haven't been there before, they do collapse in the run, and that's what, what happens to them. Um, and that's why no team is unlikely as Leicester has ever won the league before. And there was only, yeah, as you say, probably um, a month or so ago, you sort of thought, hang on, there's no sign of wobble here at all. And I think it was when they got that equaliser against West Ham. That was the game where you thought, ah, oh, yeah, they've lost it here. Had a, a man sign off, they've let in two goals. And then, against that adversity, they still, okay, they've the controversial penalty, but they still found a way of getting back into the game. And that's when you realise, yeah, Tottenham are actually going to have to do something pretty special here. And when the pressure was on, it was, it was Tottenham who faded and their behaviour last night. You know, we, we've, England has this habit of saying, oh, we've got to follow this other model. So we've been following the Dutch model, we've been following the French model, we've been following the, the German model, the Spanish model. Well, it turns out Tottenham are following the Argentinian model, that they have all these great young players who absolutely massively lose a run of themselves when things go against them.
4: Yeah, um, I've seen uh, Gabriella Some people uh, online, quite a few people actually, make the point that this uh, lesser title victory is actually can be seen as a sort of a triumph for analytics in football. What basis is there for that claim?
5: I, I don't know. You tell me because I don't see, I don't see the arguments there, and it's. I have to make a point well, about it too. For,
4: say for instance, uh, say Daniel Altman. Uh, Daniel Altman, who's, who's well-regarded in this field, saying many congrats to Leicester City and L- at LCFC and at LCFC Analysis. Analytics didn't win the title, but analytics did give them a fighting chance, and they took it.
5: Um. Yeah, I mean, I suppose maybe he's talking about something that they did internally. I, I know Dan, and he's quite brilliant. Um, what I will say is that, you know, I, there's a level of... A level of randomness, a level of uncertainty, I, uh, to, 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 I think, to every victory, you know, when it comes in, in underdog fashion. And I'll tell you this, you know, the, the, the head of recruitment, Steve Walsh, and this other guy named Ben Wigglesworth, who then left, went to Arsenal, brilliant analytics scouts and everything. Um, and, and, you know, you give him credit because he signed Conte and Mares. Well, the interesting thing is, I, I kind of looked at it recently, and... Of Leicester's 10 most expensive signings ever in their history, eight were signed in the last two years. And of those eight, the only ones who got regular playing time this year, uh, or or who were starters this year, were Okazaki and Ujoa. So we sort of seem to forget, you know, Inler and Ben-Aluon and Crammerich, who's their all-time most expensive signing. So uh, to me, what, what that says is that no doubt these guys did a good job but they also got you know a lot of a lot of big signings wrong um so you know i, I think the message here is that there's there's a lot of components to success and you know while they did a lot of things right they they also screwed up a lot of things, and I think it's a it's a credit to the rest of the squad that the things were able to come together.
4: Yeah, I mean, Jonathan, when you you know what as, as Gabrielle was saying, there's a lot of components to success. I mean, this is what's so kind of weird about this. It's it's really difficult to to isolate any particular component and say this is this is really what made the difference. Apart from the fact that the injuries didn't happen. You know, the injuries that you the usual attrition that you expect just didn't materialize. That was one of the, was not
3: the, the big narrative early on. Well, once Lesser are hit with, uh, as Jonathan mentioned. Once Vardy he, gets injured. Yeah, once Vardy gets injured and they have a couple of suspensions, then they're going to yeah. uh, start losing out. They did get a couple of suspensions, no major injuries.
4: No, it, they. I mean, Conte and Vardy both had little injuries in January which they which they shrugged off. But all we kind of hear about how they're doing this is, you know, well, they've got a cryo chamber, uh, they do GPS tracking and training, they've, they <laughs> use exercise bikes, <laughs> you know, it, which sounds like what every club really does and has been doing, doing for years.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that should be, should be considered, and I think particularly when you think of how close Liverpool came two seasons ago, is the fact they haven't had European football. So Leicester this season will have played 43 games. Uh, Manchester City will have played at least 59, possibly 60. So you're talking about 40% more. Uh, and that means Leicester haven't had to rotate. They've been able to keep essentially the same team together. Now that's not saying rotation is bad. But it is saying if you don't rotate, then that core, probably they they build up a great team spirit. Certainly, I think they they get a mutual understanding better. Um, And somebody like City cannot do that because you you cannot keep the same core playing every three or four days. Leicester haven't had to do that. Liverpool two seasons ago didn't have European football, so they didn't have to do that. So so maybe we're seeing a a reversion against the orthodoxy of, oh, yeah, you have to rotate. Well, possibly if you don't have European football, if you go out of the League Cup and the FA Cup pretty early, as, as Leicester did, then suddenly at this stage of the season you get a clear run-out and your, your players are a bit and they, they, they're not prone to injuries. So I, I, you know, I think that's one of the the, the, the many, many factors. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's why this is such an unlikely event. You need all these things to align. You need half a dozen players suddenly to play the best they've ever played. You need not to get injuries. You need to get... I think Leicester had nine penalties that they scored this season and missed two. They yeah, they've got, got
4: more penalties than anybody, yeah.
1: Well, I think, I think Chelsea had 12... Last season, and then you look back before that, and you know nobody else in double figures. Um, So you know that's an unusual. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't deserve those penalties, but the decisions are going their way. So there's a whole series of things that come together, and that's not to say this is luck. I'm not to to decry the achievement of any area, the players, or the the scouting, or, or whatever but just to say that you do need all those separate things to align if you're Leicester to win the title.
3: Why can't those things align for another team next season, Gabriele? I mean, there's the assumption now, the same assumption we were making all season, that Leicester couldn't win the league. That logic is now being transferred onto next year, and I don't think anyone is expecting this to happen again, but why not? Why can't it be Bournemouth winning the league next year?
5: I think it can be. It's just that the probability is very low. I mean, I think Leicester's great contribution to sport... (laughs) is to show that there is a chance that this can happen if, as, as Jonathan said, you know, everything, uh, everything aligned. Um, but it's still extremely, extremely unlikely. And, you know, when you, and then and the remarkable thing too about Leicester is that, you know, stars may have aligned. They may have been fortunate that other teams underachieved. I've got city supporting friends who told me that if De Bruyne hadn't gotten hurt, that, City would have definitely won the title. Um, but, you know, if you look at it for most analytics models, you know, based on expected goals, most of them have Leicester Spurs and Arsenal all neck and neck at the at the very top. So they very much deserve this. What I think is really remarkable about this is if, if we were to talk about who is an outstanding footballer on this Leicester team, who's going to go on to bigger and better things, you know, I think it's Mares and it's Conte and that's it, you know, at least out of the starting 11. You know, maybe Damari Gray and Ben Chilwell will become superstars. But, you know, this year... Well, Vardy as well, presumably. Vardy's 29 years old. Vardy, you know...
4: I don't see any reason why he couldn't keep going for, for a couple of years.
5: Possibly. Possibly he could. But, you know, he didn't exactly score a lot of goals last season in the Premier League. I think not get eight or nine. And I think the other thing about Vardy is that, you know... I. You wouldn't see him playing, I think, for another big team, simply because, unless it's Atlético Madrid, of course, simply because most big teams have a lot of possession, and I'm not sure he's a, you know, he's a natural for a team that has 55, 66 percent of the, or 55, 60 percent of the ball, and uh, you know, and the opponents all lined up on the edge of their box.
4: Yeah, I'm going to give you both a chance to make yourselves a little bit unpopular. Here we are in this glorious morning, the greatest story ever told, Leicester City. As the Premier League champions. But is there a case, Jonathan, that this is really embarrassing for the Premier League? Leicester City have managed to win the league, losing only three matches. They, they, they might end up having lost five, but nobody's counting from this point on. They've only lost three matches. It's such a basic team. They're not doing anything that surprises anybody, really. And yet, only three... Only, only in fact, two teams in the Premier League have figured out on any given day... How to beat them? That is a disgrace <laughs> for for all the rest of the teams. Who are you going to put that to? Jonathan first. Jonathan, off you go.
1: Well, I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a problem for the 19 other teams in the league, or, and specifically probably for five or six of them. I think for the league itself, it's fantastic. You know, you, I, there's I, there's nothing irritates me more than the, the narrative that always comes out when there's a tight title race of everybody going, "Oh, there's not one great team." So what? I'd rather not know. I'd rather go into every game thinking. I don't know who's going to win this. From turning up, as I have done re- regularly in the past, at, at Stamford Bridge to watch Chelsea v Wigan or Chelsea v Stoke or Chelsea v Sondland or whoever, and think, well, it might be 2-0, it might be 3-0, and they're the only two possibilities. It's much more fun to turn up and not have a clue. And, and you say it's a simple thing. I guess it is a simple thing. But I think, and, and I, I, I realise I risk going off at a massive tangent here, so I'll try and be brief. But I think what's happening tactically in terms of the overall picture, the overall evolution of tactics at the moment is really interesting. If you look at the whole history of tactics from, from the start of the international game in 1872, the first time we know what a formation was, and we know that England played one-two-seven, and we know that Scotland essentially outplayed them in a nil draw playing a two-two-six, we've seen this refinement, what, what Victor Masoff called the streamlining of the forward line. So it's gone from seven to six to five to four to three to two to one to the false nine, to no centre forwards. And when you get to that level of abstraction, it's like when Malievic painted white square. Where do you go next? There's, no, there's nowhere else to go with that streamlining. And so what people are doing is reinterpreting old ways of playing. And that, I think, is what we've seen less than to less extent Watford do, reinterpreting a 4 4 for the modern age. And other teams have forgotten how to deal with that. And so, in a sense, the past is the avant-garde.
3: Gabrieli, okay, last word to you. Feel free to rubbish Ken's theory.
5: No, no, no. Um, I, I would say it's really good, not just for the Premier League, it's good for football. It's good for all of sport. It's really bad, and it speaks to the serious mistakes uh, that have been made by the other big clubs, too, um, specifically Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea, of course, Liverpool to a point. Um, those clubs have seriously underachieved. throw Arsenal in there, too, if you like. And I don't think it's a coincidence that, except for Arsenal, simply because Wenger is eternal, um, you know, those other four, four clubs, all change their manager, or are bound to change their manager this summer.
3: All right, that's great to uh, great to talk to you too. in such a momentous day. Thanks, a million.
5: Cheers. Pleasure. Take care, lads. Just a crying baby, but you
2: cannot call it a player, a baby. You wanted victory, not have a weapon. I want victory for every game. Where do you think you got it all wrong today? Coach. Which is the game you wanted victory, boy. Didn't have a weapon. Well, it's just a uh, You look frustrated on the Coach. pitch. Which is the game you wanted victory, boy. Didn't have a weapon. You wanted victory. Well, I wanted victory. Which is the game you wanted victory, boy. Didn't have a weapon. Where do you think you got it all wrong today?
4: We won against them in the Premier season, and we never said they're baby. He's just a
1: crying big baby. baby, and you cannot call a player a baby. And
3: yeah, either Gabriella, you know, Jonathan having much truck with your theory there
1: again. Uh,
4: yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with I, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, Jonathan's point that it's much better when you have a situation where you know you go to a game and you're not sure what's going to happen. You, you you're going to expect the stronger team to win, but you know that. That might not happen in the way that defeats for Chelsea, you know, Chelsea losing at home or Manchester United getting beaten. Um, these these kind of things, which used to be very rare, have become commonplace. And that does make it much more exciting. And if if you did genuinely, genuinely have unpredictability, I think you do have real unpredictability in the Premier League next year. I mean, you've got Leicester, the champions, um, but you've got a, a lot of teams who have hired really good managers you know there are a lot of there are a lot of good managers, and these teams are fabulously wealthy compared to all the other clubs in Europe. I think this is going to start making a real difference.
3: West Ham is another. There are a bunch of these teams who it now wouldn't amaze you if they challenged for a title.
4: No, I mean if West Ham are in the Olympic Stadium, if they add a couple of players, if Leicester can do it. Then yeah. it, it's literally if Leicester can do this, if Leicester can do it, then anything is possible. You know, and, and <laughs> I even saw someone tweeting about how annoyed they're going to be. With all the people saying, if Leicester can win the Premier League, well, why can't Ireland
3: win the Euros? Mm-hmm.
4: But it's true, if Leicester can win the Premier League... Why can't Ireland win the Euros? There's
3: no reason why anything really can't happen. Jonathan mentioned there that Spurs players became a little bit Argentinian, a little bit hot-headed in what going about their business there last night, Ken. One of the most famous Argentinian footballers disagrees, though. I've got Ozzy Ardiles, who places the blame for last night's shenanigans elsewhere. Oh, yeah? He's tweeting... Completely... Uh, where is it? The behaviour of some of the Chelsea players simply embarrassing. How low the champions of last year have become. <laughs> this is Ozzy Ardiles. Yeah, C-O-Y-S as in. Is it
4: stars. definitely Ozzy Ardiles and not just uh, some player. Anyway, go on. I'll,
3: well, I'll double check, but I'm yeah, 99% sure. He's getting a lot of retweets anyway. Yeah, yeah. Osvaldo Ardiles, again. Completely disagreed with Sky commentary. We lost our heads. The contrary. I think I've seen another game. C-O-Y-S. Uh, Lesser, big congratulations, blah blah blah, and then I think there's one more. Is there on the? Um, See, <laughs> oh, Ardila's is literally the world's most blinkered Spurs fan. The champions of England could not compete with us in football terms, so they tried different tactics. <laughs> not really connected with football. <laughs> <laughs> this is this—that's unbelievable
4: from Ardilas. I understand he's hurting. He's hurting. There's a lot of Tottenham fans hurting. That looks, that looks
3: pretty official, doesn't it? I'm just you oh, yeah, that. it's a it's a verified account. Oh, it's right?
4: verified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah no. there's a lot of Spurs fans hurting out there. I and I can I can understand that, and particularly the way Chelsea gloried in the pain of Tottenham. Uh, I mean, that was it was low, <laughs> it was low. But this is what you expect from Chelsea, you know. You, I mean, it, it, the same thing happened a couple of years ago. You know, the the the, the game at Liverpool. Chelsea basically couldn't do anything. Uh, Chelsea were more or less out of it at that stage. But the the pleasure that Jose Mourinho took in in uh, upsetting the you know in in uh, raining on Liverpool's parade let's say was I mean you remember I mean,
5: yeah they were going around beating his chest and they were
3: going uh, around time weight like it was really important to them it was a oh, hugely massive yeah. massively important they game.
5: just
4: took such pleasure in it um, and and I suppose in a sense that maybe it's a, maybe it will be a a reminder for Chelsea that somewhere within their uh, jaded jaded hearts that kind of competitive spirit still resides they just need to find some negative nasty reason to get themselves motivated but in the right circumstances they still can uh, be up for the fight
3: Casper Schmeichel tweeted uh, yesterday words cannot describe the love I have for my teammates I dreamt of this since I was a boy and I'll be forever grateful to you all
4: yeah well did you see what Vardy tweeted what (laughs) Vardy I mean yeah like Casper Schmeichel's Sentiment there is just so nice. It's yeah. so kind of blissed out. And you can just imagine him there like, oh, I love you guys. Like, all around kissing all his, his teammates. Yeah, I, I, I
3: finally emerged from the shadow of my father. All that kind of this stuff to go yeah, through.
4: This yeah, is, thank you all. Yeah. About it. <laughs> I love you, Daddy Drinkwater. <laughs> I love you, Daddy Simpson. I love, I love all you guys. Vardy, meanwhile, tweets, well, what's the first thing on his mind? I love you, teammates. Thank you, uh, manager. Thank you, Nigel Pearson. No. It's, screw you, Harry Kane. My my possible strike partner at Euro 2016. <laughs> didn't but if, you didn't see uh, Harry Kane, uh, after one of Spurs' recent, maybe the, the, when they destroyed Stoke or maybe when they beat Man United, posted on his inter- Instagram uh, just a, a picture, a moody shot of a, of some lions advancing towards the camera. Oh, just yeah. advancing towards the camera. The kings of the jungle. Well, kings of the savannah, really. Uh, but as they uh, advanced towards the jungle, I'm just dot dot dot. He'd written underneath, and the implication seemed to be that here, these lions were Tottenham, uh, the hungry uh, young uh, predators who were chasing down Leicester City. So Jamie Vardy last night, uh, after Tottenham, uh, you know, bundle go over, you know, and the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, their their title uh, charge goes away of Go-Sitting, tweets a photo a still from The Lion King of Mufasa, <laughs> the father of Simba. Falling, slip, slide, scrabbling down the side of a canyon to his death. Yeah, it doesn't look good down there. Nothing good
3: is going to come of that fall.
4: No, he's there. He's am looking he's, at him now. Anyone who's seen the Lion King, and there's a look of terror in, in poor Mufasa's eyes as he realises, oh no, the situation's out of control. I, I'm trying to get some purchase with my claws here in these rocks, but it's not going to happen, and I'm going to plunge to my death to be stampeded on by all these wildebeests under the gaze of my young boy. Really <laughs> <hilarious>. <laughs> that was what he tweeted. So, right. just differing approaches to that moment of victory.
3: Now the point I was going to make is that I wonder will all these sentiments remain in play if Real Madrid, for example, were to come in for Casper Schmeichel? Because Kevin Keegan, who is very well placed to talk about this kind of thing, yeah. a man who moved from bloody Liverpool <laughs> yeah. when they were at their height, reckons, look, come on, let's be fair. If these guys are if the club is big enough, these guys will leave the current Premier League champions. Yeah. So that is the challenge for Leicester to hang on to. Maybe not all of them. but like If one of them was to go, if one key player was to go, you might say, well, that's, that's going to happen. Yeah. But obviously, you lose two or three, you're not in a good situation. Well, I mean,
4: I think that a lot of those players would have to be tempted, at least, to stay and play the next season and to see what would happen. But there's also against that, there's going to be agents sitting down and going, look, it doesn't get any better than what's just happened next season. It's going to be all downhill for Leicester City, Champions League or whatever. It's you know you get to play in the Champions League for Leicester. Well, big deal. You get to play in the Champions League with any of the clubs that you know I could have you joining, and it's going to be a hard season compared to what happened this season, where everything was kind of under magic spell. Next season's going. It's probably going to be hard. I'm not going to say uh, definitely, but the uh, that's what the odds definitely suggest. Mm-hmm. We know odds aren't an infallible guide to what's going to happen. But, you know, if, if a move came along, I think people would be tempted to stay. But agents, there's a lot of hard talk from agents and the summer months are long. And, there's no, you know, you don't have that, those uh, matches kind of uh, reminding you what a special team it is. You're just sitting there on the beach in Dubai or wherever it is that you've gone. For Seeing a lot of people holiday. walking around
3: in Real Madrid and Manchester United jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> and still no one recognizes you. <laughs> What's going on? Drinkwater and Simpson are like, why does no one recognize us? You know, we've been sitting at this bar for
4: like two hours, and nobody's come up to us. I know you. You're you're David Bentley. No, uh, oof. oh, oh hang on. Were you in Hollyoaks? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and 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 especially, you can you can imagine if, say, like, you know, Memphis comes in, Memphis the Pie, or or Alberto Moreno comes in, and is immediately surrounded by autograph hunters. You know, I don't know these guys. mean but the, of course, that's not what the game is about. The no. game is about glory and Leicester City know all about that
3: our second show of the week will be out today it's going to feature a uh, big chat on the Hurling League final there was also strong stuff from Johnny Sexton and some other Leinster players after their capitulation to Munster to Ulster I should say so we'll chat about that and lots more in that programme too on the Premier League Champions 2015-2016 Leicester City thanks Ken thank you all thanks for listening thank you.
2: Ibrahim, hogger, Ibrahim. Where are you from, Ibrahim? Yeah, bro, I'm from Kurdistan, you know? Kyrgyzstan, but, uh, you're waving a Leicester yeah, city flag. of course, bro, of course, man. Bro, Leicester's in our blood. Mm-hmm. I grew up here, you get me? School, everything, bro. Leicester is a beautiful city. What does this the mean? What does this know? mean? Bro, this, bro, the whole world knows Leicester now, innit? The whole world knows Leicester. We're the champions. And we're coming for Barca. We're coming for Madrid. We're coming for Munich. Come on, man.
4: The, there, we there, see, but there, only Leicester are definitely going to choke. Definitely going to careen off the rails. I, I just can't believe that they could win the league. I just can't believe that this squad could actually win the league. There's three teams within striking distance of Leicester. They're all better than Leicester. Tommy me Darren Thomason. I just don't believe that it's just going to continue. In this way you're really. not giving them a chance are you i don't know i, I can't
2: head the box into the box right from the shot is in chelsea have got it and it has on has scored the goal here and stanford bridge that could it just could put a full stop to the most incredible sports story you have ever read they might have done it chelsea two Tottenham them leicester city are on the verge of sporting immortality. Forget football, rugby, cricket, Olympics, Winter Olympics, golf, whatever your sport of preference. This is unprecedented. This has never happened in world sport. A 5,000 to 1 shot has never, ever in the history of world sport won a title, a race, or an encounter. Leicester City Football Club are on the verge of rewriting local, national and international history The full time whistle has gone at Stamford Bridge. Leicester City are the Premier League champions 2015-2016. Start the party Leicester because they have done it. The rest of the world's hearts are full of Leicester City, our little city Our part of the East Midlands, pinch yourself, let it seep through your skin, blink, it has happened, full time, Chelsea 2, Tottenham 2, Leicester City are the Premier League champions What is that,
1: that's the second time it's gone off